The Joe Pomp Show is brought to you by U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Happy New Year. I hope everyone enjoyed the holiday and the new year and is ready to get back to work this week. I have a lot of exciting things coming up over the next few months, so stay tuned. I'm really excited to share some of this stuff with you guys going forward. But today I want to talk about an issue that has come up over the last few weeks, mostly during the holiday, and that's bowl season. And specifically the idea that a lot of bowl games have become meaningless. You've probably heard a lot of people on TV and on the internet talking about this, of how no games outside of the college football playoff actually matter. But today I'm going to talk you through the details, including the money and business behind this and why these games aren't going anywhere. So let's start with the obvious. College football has changed a lot over the last several years. We used to have the BCS. It was essentially a computer formula that determined the national championship game. That was replaced by a 13-person committee and a 14 playoff in 2014. The NCAA later approved a name, image, and likeness policy, allowing student-athletes for the first time ever to monetize their NIL. And the transfer portal now allows all athletes a one-time transfer without a one-year penalty. This is the transfer portal that all of you have heard about. Now, these decisions have been praised by the pro-player college football fan base, myself included. I mean, it makes sense. Why should coaches be allowed to freely move schools for more money while severely underpaid talent, the players, have to sit out a year when transferring? But still, these decisions have also been criticized by others. The main argument being that college football's postseason is now full of meaningless bowl games. Take Georgia and Florida State, for example. These teams went into the conference championships both ranked within the top four, with Georgia actually being ranked number one for their conference title. But Georgia lost to Alabama, while Florida State got punished for its starting quarterback getting injured. Both of these teams then dropped out of the college football playoff and were placed together in the Orange Bowl. Now, traditionally, this would have been a fantastic bowl game. I mean, we're talking about two teams that were pissed off, they were disrespected, and now we're going to have an SEC versus ACC matchup that we would typically never see before. But that all happened before the opt-outs, both opt-outs for the transfer portal and the NFL draft. These opt-outs included over 25 players collectively and several starters from both Georgia, but more importantly, Florida State. Now, several players were missing in action, including several starters. This turned the game into something entirely different than we were promised. Georgia ended up demolishing Florida State 63-3, in what was the largest margin of victory in bowl history. No team had ever lost a bowl game by 60 points or more, and Georgia beat Florida State by 60 points, 63-3. to And the craziest part is that this wasn't the only game like this. Teams like Missouri and Ohio State had more than 25 opt-outs as well, including Ohio State's starting quarterback Kyle McCord, who transferred to Syracuse, and future top five NFL draft pick Marvin Harrison Jr. And there were dozens of other teams, including USC, Texas A&M, Boston College, Miami, NC State, Oklahoma, Clemson, Kentucky, Notre Dame, Oregon State, Auburn, Maryland, LSU, and Tennessee that were missing a ton of key players too. I'd have to go look at the numbers, but my guess is that each team averaged about five to 10 opt-outs with the higher end teams going up again to 20 to 25 opt-outs, depending on how many NFL draft picks they had and how many people were leaving in the transfer portal. So Georgia's head coach Kirby Smart said after their Orange Bowl victory, people need to see what happened tonight and they need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. It's very unfortunate that Florida State, who has a good football team and a good football program, are in the position they are in. It's unfortunate for those kids on the sideline that had to play in the game that didn't have their full arsenal, and it affected the game 100%. 
So the real question is here, like, what is the solution? This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. This holiday season, it's important to focus on yourself, too. Whether that's by starting therapy, going easier on yourself during the tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest. This is where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. They have nearly 35,000 licensed therapists ready to help. It's 100% online, and they have already worked with more than 4 million people. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. It's literally that easy. So give yourself what you need this holiday season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com pump today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pump. I've heard a bunch of people talk about this online over the last few days, and it seems like there's a couple different schools of thought. Number one, do we push the transfer portal back a few weeks until the end of the postseason? Number two, do we try to convince sponsors to pay players for playing in their bowl game? Number three, maybe we delay voting on postseason awards until after the season. Number four, I've even heard the idea that we move these bowl games to week zero at the beginning of the season, where we have a bunch of matchups that end up not mattering in the context of the schedule anyways. Now look, some of these make sense. I myself have long said that we will eventually have revenue sharing in college football. So paying the players to play in bowl games certainly makes some sense. But some of these other ideas don't make sense at all. I mean, pushing the transfer portal back a few weeks into January messes with the academic enrollment for the following semester. And while we all know that at the big institutions, athletics are far more important than academics, you still can't mess with the enrollment period for these schools. But more importantly, I don't think anything is actually going to change because the money itself hasn't changed. College football bowl viewership is actually up year over year, despite what everyone wants to say online. And more college football games were watched this year, more minutes overall, than at any point in history before this. Heck, mediocre games like UNC versus West Virginia and NC State versus Kansas State averaged 3.8 million viewers and 4.3 million viewers, respectively. And outside of NFL content last week, bowl games were the only sports content on television to break 1 million average viewers. That's more than Premier League matches, NBA games that were on TV, NHL games, college basketball games, and programs like ESPN's First Take, WWE events, All Elite Wrestling events, and even SportsCenter. Oh, and that Georgia-Florida State game that we all talked about being a disaster? Well, that game ended up averaging 10.3 million viewers on ESPN. That's the largest Orange Bowl TV audience since 2017, and it's four times more viewers than the average NBA Christmas Day game this year. Again, the average NBA Christmas Day game this year was four times smaller than the Orange Bowl between Georgia and Florida State. Even the first ever Pop-Tart Bowl had 4.3 million viewers on ESPN. So no, these meaningless bowl games aren't going anywhere. Most of the problems we discussed will solve themselves with the introduction of the 12-team playoff next year. Championship potential bowl games solve the opt-out problem, and having first-round matchups on campus will inevitably create a high level of fan demand. The truth is that non-college football playoff bowl games became much less interesting when the initial 14 playoff was implemented. But a consistent schedule of sports content with anywhere between 3 to 10 million viewers or more is incredibly valuable to TV networks. I just told you Christmas Day in the NBA averaged just over 2 million viewers per game. And 30-second commercials during these bigger bowl games can reach seven figures in revenue per commercial. So networks like ABC, ESPN, Fox, and CBS certainly won't request changes until the money itself actually changes. Now, that's not to say that fan outrage isn't fair. It certainly is. Everyone wants to watch good football games, and the high-profile players sitting out doesn't make it as good. 
But if I've learned anything about the sports business over the years, it's that the dollars and cents drive everything. And a potential $2.2 billion annual media rights package, double the current rate for the expanded playoff next year, is more than enough reason for things to stay exactly how they are today. So everyone can complain. They can say that these games are meaningless. Players are opting out. The transfer portal has ruined college football. But the reality is that a lot of these games never really mattered in the first place. And they're still getting three to four to five million viewers, which is more significant than virtually anything else from a sports perspective on television today. So the networks are happy. They're making more money than ever before. The sponsors are happy. I mean, Pop-Tart, they paid about $2 million for their bowl game sponsorship. yet generated more than $12 million in social media impression value alone. So don't expect anything to change. There's more money flowing into college football than ever before. The sport has certainly not peaked. And it's the second biggest sport in America today, only behind its big brother in the NFL. That's it for today, though. I hope everyone has a great week getting back into things after the holiday. Do me a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Let me know what you're enjoying, what I could be doing better, and so forth. Have a great day, and we'll talk later this week.